Mini episode 1465 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini-episode 1365. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with you today. And we have our fifth annual Don Coster tribute and uh, 2022 MLB season preview. And it's the uh, same gentleman that we've been doing this with previously. Uh, two very valued FDH Lounge dignitaries and longtime friends. Ken Detweiler, for whom I once sidekicked along with Don Coster at the old Sports Talk Network on Life's a Pitch with Ken Detweiler and the three of us working together there at that time. And FDH Lounge dignitary Steve Callis. And uh, again, you can catch him along with our good friend and fellow FDH Lounge dignitary Joe Stazak on the Callis Remarks podcast every week. Check out Steve's work as sports editor at westchestercountypost.com. So uh, a, a, pl- a pleasure to have uh, both of these guys on. And uh, Ken, uh, as we uh, once again here kind of start at the outset, we, we flash back and uh, we pay tribute to our, our good friend, your brother-in-law, Don Coster, who passed away a couple of years ago, a man who had health problems for a long time, unfortunately, but uh, somebody who always entertained and brightened the spirits of uh, whoever was around him. Yeah, and it's, uh, thank you both for, because I can't think of anybody better than you two, fellow left-handers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, doesn't get any better than that. Uh, but at any rate, I spoke to Don's widow, Trace, my wife's sister, uh, and uh, on Sunday for Sunday dinner, and she was just so excited to hear it again, and, and wanted to say to both you guys, thank you, thank you, thank you for keeping his name out there in, in this in this fashion. So. Well, yes, but, uh, I mean. It's it's a slam dunk because uh, Don was always a guy that I was I had fun hanging out with on air off air uh, always just an, an inimitable style a, a man with a, a very gruff mannerism about him that was just so entertaining and when he would get on a rant and he would get on a roll and get going uh, you just sit back put your feet up and it would be uh, fun you know sometimes Ken I know we would chime in we would kind of put a little fuel on the fire. Uh, as well, but uh, yeah, Don was a guy where he could express himself very colorfully, very uniquely, and uh, just a, a kind of talent, uh, the likes of which I just really haven't been around, because uh, a guy who could just kind of grab you uh, by, by the shoulders and, and, and get your attention with his takes uh, without even trying, without contriving. A lot of people contrive to try and do that, but there was none of that with Don. That's just absolutely who he was. And uh, Steve Callis, this is something that we mentioned uh, going back to the first time that we did this here, that uh, life's a pitch. Sometimes it would just be me. Sometimes it would just be Don as sidekick. But I think the best versions of it were always the two of us with Ken back in the day here. And uh, to do this, to do the tribute, although you never got a chance to know him, do any shows with him, etc. But uh, to do this show as a three-man booth, and uh, I I always believed uh, from the very beginning and every time since it has borne out to be the case that it's the best possible tribute both to you and to him, I think, to have you in here and be part of the show uh, that we're doing here because uh, it just, again, it embodies the spirit, the love of baseball, everything I think of when I think of Don, all these great uh, qualities. You fit in with it perfectly, Steve, and it's always a pleasure to have you as the third man for these shows. Oh, I appreciate that. I've obviously learned over the last five years nobody's taken Don's place, but I'm happy to be one of the trio. And I have to say, I'm taking an educated guess here, but I think he would be as disgusted as I am that they now have brought back the uh, man on second to start the 10th inning, which where I come from, we call that beer league softball, because when you played in softball leagues in New York, 
literally after seven innings because everybody had to get home for dinner because their wives or mothers or whatever would be screaming at them. That was a way to get out of the park quickly. So they put a guy on second. I had suggested maybe we go bases loaded in the ninth. Why go to extra innings? But somehow that didn't fly. So we're stuck with the ghost runner that they call it. I don't even know why they call it that. It's not a ghost. It's a guy on second. But I can't believe Don would like it. I can't believe you guys would like it. And I'm really grossed out by it because I call it what it is, pure league softball. Well, yeah, I mean, very well said, Steve. And you anticipated this uh, perfectly because every year I just try, as I said to you guys off air just a second ago here, I, I think the best way to start off the show with paying tribute to Don is, you know, baseball continues to give us all of these follies, all of these stupidities, all these things like that that would be very ripe fodder for Don to just sit here and riff on. And uh, we get to do that. What could be more of a tribute to Don than, than doing what he would be doing if he were here with us right now, which is going off on this? And so that's what I want to do. I want to pitch it to Ken because uh, as, as a man who was privileged to spend so much time with him over the years on air, but uh, way, way, way more than that off air, uh, family settings and everything else like that, uh, to get Ken's thoughts on, on what Don would be saying, because it's a thing, Ken, where you, you look at it, and there is what Steve mentioned, and there is some of the idiotic rules changes that uh, came in during the 2020 season that have stuck around. But uh, again, you know, the, you also now have the universal DH, which uh, different people will agree and disagree on that. But yes, the idiocy of the ghost runner, which I think most people don't like you have that and you have an MLB system that at the end of the day we went through this entire schlock of a lockout here in the offseason only to have it be largely status quo ante I mean yes there is more pre-arbitration money available for the young players on the first contracts but I mean tinkering around the margins at best anybody that looks at this CBA and the last couple of ones I mean you know this is one of these things there's that great line uh, from the office, uh, where when they have a, a summit meeting of the, the heads of the five families in the office park, and uh, somebody pitches an idea there, and it, it's the classic quote at the end of the uh, the meeting where the one guy says, this could have been done by email. I mean, this entire lockout thing, we could have spent a couple of minutes, this thing could have been settled by email, Ken. So between that, the ghost yeah. runner, and everything else, I mean, this would be ripe fodder for Don right now, would it not? It would, yes, and uh, things that come to mind, and uh, a reason for Don, which I really feel, I'll just speak for myself too, and with this, I think if you pose this question to him, gentlemen, uh, after everything that's happened with the lockout, and whatever you want to call it, he would have probably said, I'll tone, and just hung up on us. <laughs> <laughs> he could be blunt. <laughs> yes, but then, speaking for myself, and I'll try to bring Don, Don's words in the mind because we were somewhat alike in a lot of ways. Sure, um, I like to think I'm not quite as gruff, but I am. <laughs> so, which which brings to mind for me, it's like going to a nice bar or something. And when I was younger, and I'd see this really good looking girl, and she came and put a big old wet one on me, and we just made out after she had just thrown up in the lake next door. <laughs> That's what this whole nonsense feels like with this baseball stuff. It's just a bad taste all the way around. And um, from what I understand, too, I had one of my ex-players sent over to me, and perhaps you guys know better about this. This is this nonsense isn't over. Uh, apparently, they're trying at a, at a, I don't know what level in the minors, um, this thing where the catcher doesn't even call the pitch and there's a big they have a computer that calls the pitch and the location. Wow. So I couldn't believe it. And this young man asked me what I thought. And I, I should have just, you know, said, you know, it's just, it, it's pain. It pains me because we all love the game, the way the game was constructed. Uh, and here we are today. That, so, that is, all. that is really, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's a sad state of affairs with that and uh, that development there. I hadn't heard of it, but nothing surprises me anymore with where they've been going. By the way, I, I must ask you for clarification, Ken. That scenario there of uh, kissing the girl who'd thrown up or whatever, is is this a hypothetical or are you recounting a situation? I wasn't clear. <laughs> uh, well, I have to see where my wife is right now. But yes, that's true. <laughs> I have to... <laughs> 
it came as as old as I am. It was an experience. There, I'll leave it there. <laughs> I can understand why that is seared on your memory. You it, know, it would be for most people. You know, <laughs> you know what I look like. And, uh, so, you know, I was desperate. Well, you're, you're a distinguished looking gentleman. Yes. You're, you're a very distinguished man, Ken Detweiler. And, uh, that is, (laughs) that is, that is an excellent, excellent story. And, uh, in terms of these various, uh, oddities and now the state of the game, the way that it is now, uh, so just to, to, to get some, uh, top line thoughts from you on this, uh, Steve Callis as well. Uh, give you a chance to uh, do as Don would do and uh, rant under the circumstances here, whether it be about the CBA, you've already touched on the Ghost Runner, any of the other idiocies that we're still saddled with at the beginning of the 2022 season. Well, I'm on the fence on the shift, although it's apparently here this year and gone next year. Right. And it's more for me about, you know, look, Boo Boudreau, manager, player manager of the Indians, shifted on Ted Williams, you know, in the 1940s mm-hmm. and 50s. But now it's become an analytic uh, tool. And it's interesting to me because, for example, if you have a third baseman, which you sometimes don't, you don't protect the line anymore under the analytics of the world. You don't protect the line when there's a man on first. And if a guy hits a ground ball down the third baseline, the run scores. They say, well, analytics said he wasn't going to hit it there. So I'm not against analytics. I think it has its place. But I'm a little disturbed by that. And what's most interesting to me about the shift, okay, so there's a shift this year. Next year, there's no shift. You're going to have to have, you know, two guys on each side of the infield with their foot on the infield. You can't play in right field. So what about the outfielders? Can they move over? Is the right fielder now going to come in and play deep second base like the second baseman does on the shift? Can the shortstop be one foot to the right of second base? And as the pitch is winding up, can he dash 10 feet to his left? When can you move? If a runner is stealing, you can move when the pitcher's in his windup. There's going to be so many, I think, on that one particular rule. And heaven forbid we grow up, I thought there'd be a generation of hitters now that can go the other way, especially lefties. I mean, you do see Joey Gallo, as terrible as he is as a hitter, you know, feast or famine. I think he got six spot hits last year. He still hit 199. Right. You know, 200 strikeouts or whatever the numbers were. But I thought there was going to be an adaptation. They always talk about in football games and and basketball games, Oh, those halftime adjustments. But what about the career adjustments? What about a guy who's a pull hitter who can stick his bat out and hit a ground ball anywhere to the left side and not only get a single, but maybe a double? Yeah. yeah. I think there's yeah. going to be a lot. What I'm saying is I'm on the fence on the shift. The shift is part of baseball. It's not like the ghost runner, which is a joke. That's not baseball. It never was baseball. And right. It shouldn't be. But the shift, obviously, in much lesser situation, has been around in the past. And... Yes, it's killed the offense because of the analytics, but the analytics are supposed to help you to win. So I'm on the fence on the shift. The one thing I will say, and I don't know if Ken was referencing this before, but the one thing I will say, I wish because when you watch the playoffs with the intent that we watch the playoffs, I have to say, you know, more teams in the playoffs now and the other sports are much worse. Um, You know, I was watching the the Knicks the other day and they showed the top 10 teams and the Knicks were only four and a half games. They're in 12th. They're only four and a half games out of 10th. The 12 games under 500. We've so cheapened the regular season. So when I say, yeah. when we watch the playoffs with the intensity, I don't think you watch a uh, Wednesday night game in Cleveland like you would if it was the first game of the playoffs. But I, I see, and I assume you guys will agree, the, the strike zone is magnified, not getting bigger. It's magnified as its importance. Everybody with a brain knows that if you call that 1-1 pitch a strike, it's totally different than if you call that 1-1 pitch a ball. And we also know that umpires miss a lot of close pitches. Right. So I'm not against electrifying the strike zone. If if you can do it, I don't know if you'd have to change. You know, a guy squats a little sometimes when he's got three balls on him. Is that technically legal? Is the umpire going to call it as if he's the same way? Or you get up there and squat a lot. Um I don't know if you saw the guy. I think this was a minor league game. There was a guy last week, I saw a video, the guy did a total split. He was literally lying on the ground. I don't know if it was a college game or a minor league game. It wasn't an exhibition game in the pros. The guy did a think of a split where your left toe is in front of the batter's box and your right toe is in the back of the batter's box. And the guy walked. And he actually walked. I don't know if it was a joke. I don't know if it was Eddie Goodell. (laughs) 
when they used the midget during World War II and he got to walk. Um, but I think there's going to be so many unintended consequences. But I'm for electrifying the strike zone because that, more than anything else, you can talk about, uh, you know, missing uh, pass interference calls like they do in football or anything else. But there's nothing like, what is it, 250 calls a game now on balls and strikes? Right. And yes, uh-huh. maybe half of them anybody could make. But there's always 20, 30, 50 in a playoff game, 50 pitches. Remember the old days of the Braves when Glavin uh, or Maddox, even better, would throw it two inches off the plate, strike, three inches off the plate, strike, five inches off the plate, you're swinging at it, and you're sitting down. Uh, yeah. Not as bad as it used to be, but I'd like to see, I see when I see the tennis where they show the ball, it's either right on the line or it's not, but that's a stationary thing, the tennis court. I don't know if they can do it for baseball, but I will say this. I think the umpiring has always not been good on balls and strikes, and I think if they could do that, I would be in favor for that of that, and I'm an old-time guy. I kind of agree on that as well, and I agree that I, I am I'm ambivalent about uh, the rules about the shift because uh, I don't want I haven't heard if this is going to involve painting extra lines on the field and defacing it that way, God forbid. But it's a thing where I think that things that have happened in the game in, in the last couple of years with analytics, uh, the swing plane, everything like that, uh, I, I think it's made the game that much more unwatchable. I think the things. That, that give the teams competitive advantage, uh, take a game that already struggles to appeal to younger people and just makes it that much more unwatchable. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of what the shift does to the game, but as far as doing something that radical about it, I don't know if I'm in favor of it or not. I'm very ambivalent uh, on that. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way about the umpires, too, the robot umpires. I mean... It's not traditional, but I mean, it might lead to a better outcome, in which case I guess I am in favor of that. So, Ken, what say you? What are your thoughts on some of these subjects? Well, on those two subjects, I, uh, I'll, just, I'll start off with the, uh, the strike zone, because um, I teach this or did teach it mm-hmm. uh, with our kids. Uh, if that first ball is a strike, the opposite team, the opposing team, if you've got a strike to every one of the 27 batters, those guys will hit 167. If uh, that same pitch is a ball, like Steve had mentioned earlier, they hit 327. So that's a huge difference, uh, as you had mentioned, Steve. So, uh, but uh, as far as the shift, too, I don't. I, I watched on MLB one of the shows they had, and uh, with, with the Ripkin doing this stuff, and they were talking about the shift. If I understand it correctly, and perhaps I don't, uh, let's say on the right side of the infield, you have a first base and second baseman. The shortstop has to be a second base, but can't shift everybody over. You can only have two people and a third one right at the bag from either side. Yeah. Um, if I'm saying that right, is that did I understand yep. that correct? Yeah. Okay. So I'm okay with experimenting with that, but. Yeah, that ghost runner. That well, I won't even. I guess I kind of told you what I thought of that. So, um, but that's uh, yeah. Those are my stats that I have and my feeling about the shift. Uh, the shift, you know, it's yeah, it's different, but it's not like it was. I think they're trying to tone it down, but they still are trying to keep it at the same time. Yeah, it's a kind of a weird situation with that. Uh, the last thing about that, a name that was thrown out there in terms of the shift, is that uh, somebody who has not done well because of the uh, shift and has whined about it, uh, is, uh, as, as Steve mentioned, uh, Joey Gallo. All I will say is if the old crazy Joe Gallo had uh, shot with as much accuracy as Joey Gallo did, he never would have lived into the 1970s. There, there's a classic Lacosa Nostra reference for all you out there. That's a Lacosa Nostra deep cut, kids. But uh, as 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 far as it goes uh, with both of the leagues here, we are going to uh, we'll look at each of the leagues here one at a time, and it's going to be predominantly here top line uh, thoughts on each of the leagues here. Uh, some of the things that we're going to give you to look for in each of the leagues. And uh, we're going to format it this way, quite frankly, out of mercy for me. You can probably hear with my voice. I am not doing so well holding up uh, here today, uh, feeling like essentially uh, not very good. I'll just, I was going to go with something more colorful, but I'll just say not, not good. So, 
But anyways, uh, American League, I will, uh, I'll start by throwing out a few thoughts before I throw it to uh, Steve Callis here. Um, I, I have as a surprise team in the American League that I think will make uh, the playoffs. I have them penciled in for 89 wins. I think this is the year that uh, Detroit really sort of completes their come up, becomes a uh, playoff team here. Uh, as Ken Detweiler knows, uh, Spencer Torkelson was somebody that myself, my co-owner, drafted in our uh, not, non-keeper fantasy league last week. Uh, the Ringer said uh, they uh, one of the writers expects him to make a run at Aaron Judge's rookie home run record of 52. Uh, my partner and I are certainly hoping that will be the case. But uh, Detroit, as the big surprise team, I have Tampa, the White Sox, and Houston as the division winners. In the American League Championship Series, I have the White Sox over Tampa Bay in seven. I do have Toronto in the playoffs, too. They're, they're a popular pick among a lot of teams here. I have them as a wild card team. But uh, White Sox over Tampa Bay in the uh, ALCS. And uh, as a result with that, uh, I believe the manager of the year is going to be A.J. Hinch because it, it tends to be the manager who gets uh, teams to make a big jump, as I am expecting Detroit to do. So... I will throw it to you, uh, Steve, and sort of get your top-line thoughts for the American League this season. Yeah, I'm definitely biased. I don't think I can root for A.J. Hinch for the Astros. <laughs> but I have in the American League, I actually have Tampa Bay over. I have Tampa Bay, the White Sox, and the Astros by default. And then I have the Blue Jays, the Yankees, and the Mariners making the playoffs. Um, I think, you know, people are talking about could the AL East get all three wild cards and the answer to that has to be no because these guys have to play each other if you have four teams playing each other 19 times each that's yep. 38 that's you're playing those teams 76 times yep. you get to beat up on the orioles 19 times and then you <laughs> go you know 16 and 3 there but the other four every time you have a series in the al east it's going to be a street fight and so um I don't. I can't even point out a lot of stuff about Tampa Bay except they got your guy Corey Kluber. We'll see if he can make another comeback. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, Wander Franco played seventy games last week. He was the most amazing find in baseball. Rosarena was the most amazing find in baseball what, two years ago or three years ago, whenever uh-huh. it was. And they just have these guys, and I don't know how they do it. I've, I've given up trying to figure out how they do it. They're going to have, you know, they started two guys in the playoffs last year as openers I never heard of. And yet somehow they do it. When you're talking about everybody last year, oh, this team won, Yankees won 92, and the Blue Jays won 91, and, and I think the Red Sox won 92, and the Rays won 100. How did the Rays win 100 last year? Um, and they don't have a Blake Snell to screw up in the World Series, as far as I know. At least not yet. We'll have to see. Yeah. No, we'll have to see who comes out of the woodwork. That's what yeah. happens. They have... I used to think a lot of this was Madden, and a lot of this was Madden at the beginning. But but now Madden can't get arrested with the Angels. Um, and now Kevin Cash, although, you know, he was one of those, yeah, yeah, I do it again. We didn't want him to go the third time through the order. You know, he joined the Pete Carroll of, uh, yeah, I throw that ball to the goal line again. I wouldn't <laughs> give it to Beast Mode or uh, uh, whatever Kyle Shanahan did. I forget the exact plays in Atlanta against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Um, but whatever. I, I, I'm picking Tampa Bay because they're always there, and I wish I could explain why, other than to say they're able to get these guys that we don't know, and they become good. They draft well. Um, they don't have a lot of money, of course, but I've, uh, I've got Tampa Bay beating the White Sox. As you'll recall, Rick, I picked the White Sox last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can argue, I mean, they have such an easy, and this might be part of your analysis, they have such an easy way, I think, through the Central. Yes. Um, I don't know if Minnesota could bounce back. I think the Tigers a little bit like you, not to pick them for the playoffs. But I uh, I thought maybe the Twins could make a run because they got Correa short. Gary Sanchez, who knows what Gary Sanchez is showing up. Rochella is very good. And Sonny Gray, a top-line pitcher, I don't know. The only guy they really lost is Josh Donaldson, who I was shocked played so well last year. But they really, you know, the two years before this, the Twins were very, very good. But I went with two wild cards out of the uh, AL East. And I went with the Mariners, who everybody forgot. You know, they won 90 games last year. And it's like nobody remembers that happened. But they did win 90 games last year. And I just think uh, they're going to have the ability to really do some good and sneak into the playoffs. I mean, I don't think... 
I hate the Astros, but who can touch them? Yes, they lost Correa, but you know, they still have Bregman and Altuve and Yuli Gurriel led the league in hitting. And Michael Brantley is a professional hitter who lost the batting title by seven, you know, points. And Jordan Alvarez hit 33 homers and 100 RBIs. It's just, and don't forget, Justin Berlander's back. Right. I don't know how he's going to be, but he's back. So you, if he's remotely Justin Berlander, you put him at the top of the list. You know, they got Jake Odorizzi at the bottom of their uh, rotation. So I would never pick the Astros. I have trouble picking A.J. Hinch. I think he was uh, just as bad as everybody else. You're probably right, Rick. You can't blame the team. Yeah. <laughs> like, we can blame the Astros. <laughs> you can't blame the team. Right. But still, I, I, and, and, and Cora with the Red Sox, I had to throw one team out. I threw him out because of Cora. Not that he's not a good manager. Sure. But he was, you know, he was apparently the ringleader. And so uh, I, I hope the Astros always lose, but they're an incredibly good team. And it's kind of sad that they had to do what they did. Because, to me, they could have done what they did without doing what they did. <laughs> mm-hmm. They could have run if they played straight-up baseball, and we'd never have these conversations again. I still think they should take the World Series away from those guys. Because when they, when they retire, five, ten years from now when they retire, the rest of their lives, they go to card shows, and, you know, they sign the cards World Series champion. And they shouldn't be yeah. allowed to do that. Now, in the money world, that doesn't matter anymore. You can make decent money there. But these guys are all millionaires, so it really doesn't matter. But I still... I still think it's disgusting, and I still think something much more should have happened. Well, and I'll tell you what, you, you picked uh, all of the same playoff teams I did, except I had Seattle a couple of games back of the last wild card spot. One of the reasons perhaps we don't remember that they won 90 games last year is that uh, perhaps people have, uh, have sort of in their subconscious absorbed what their Pythagorean record was last year, which I don't know if you know, but because of their insane record in one-run games, which is predominantly based on luck when you're hitting to the degree they were, they were 76 and 86 on the Pythagorean scale last year, and uh, it was the highest gap in the major leagues, first team to exceed 10 wins on actual wins since the 2018 Mariners, who were also, I guess, pretty lucky. So we'll see. I mean, if they, it's going to be a harder path this year if you're right, because uh, last year they had to do it on luck, and that generally doesn't happen two years in a row. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Kenny D. Oh, and, well, if I could just say, they yeah. also added Robbie Ray, who won the five. They did. They did. And they also had Jesse Pinker, who was an all-star. He hit 305 with the Reds, 24 home and 71 RBIs. Um, I think they've improved their team over last yes. year, so maybe that improvement will make up for the luck that they had. Couple, couple of big time. Uh, I, I don't know if you know all these guys are necessarily prospects anymore. Some of them have a year or two under their belt, but uh, young talent coming up. You are right about that. That they are better on paper than they were ago. And uh, Robbie Ray is actually a guy that I'm counting on to be the ace of my aforementioned uh, non-keeper league team this year. So good point by you, Steve Callis. On that, uh, Kenny D, I will uh, turn to you. Thoughts on the American League here, uh, how, how you see it kind of playing out writ large. Well, uh, on a side note, I'm the proud owner of two fantasy league teams of Joey Gallo, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm starting in both leagues, I'll have you know. Congratulations. Um, so, uh, I know, but that tells you a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. You want to just go on to another topic? Um, <laughs> At any rate, I have in the East, I have the Blue Jays uh, edging out the race. So, in that division, in the AL East. Oh, now I go to the White Sox in the Central, uh, winning quite handily over a distant Guardians team in second place. I mean, distant. Wow. Yeah, distant. Uh, so, but I'm a homer. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm too old to change now. Uh, there you the go. Um, at any rate, then, in the AL West, I had the Mariners. And by the way, Steve, I agree with everything you said about those crooks, uh, the Astros. <laughs> They'll be coming in second in my, if I get my way. Actually, behind the Athletics and the Rangers, hopefully. But that won't happen. Uh, so I've got the Astros, the White Sox, and the Blue Jays winning the divisions. Uh, I have the wild card teams as the... Um, the Rays and the Astros, and the ALCS. I have the Blue Jays playing the White Sox in the World Series, or not the World Series, rather, but in the ALCS. So, how do you uh, how do you see that shaking out? Who's who's coming out of the American League? Uh, 
I've got the White Sox coming out of the American League. Okay. So, all right, that's uh, that's very interesting. Same pick that I made. Uh, we'll see how the uh, picks shape up here in the uh, National League, if there's any bleed over in our picks here. Uh, looking at it, I have uh, Atlanta in the East. I was going to say the Mets until DeGrom went down, but that's a, that's a big swing right there. And, uh, again, it, it hurts the Braves to lose Freeman, but they pick up Olsen, who's maybe almost as good. They're going to get Acuna back pretty early. Uh, I'm going to say Atlanta to uh, win the division. I, I'm, I'm going to flip-flop. I had them as a wild card and the Mets winning the division, but I'm flip-flopping with the Mets as a wild card. In the Central, uh, which is uh, not a very good division, much like the other Central, uh, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, and that man is the St. Louis Cardinals this year, figuratively. I have them winning the division with uh, a whopping 87 victories. And uh, in the West, which is a much tougher division, uh, of course, I have the Dodgers winning, uh, as do most people most years recently. I have uh, San Diego bouncing back to be a wild card and San Francisco hanging on to be a wild card. They were a team, the Giants, a year ago where really kind of got lucky in terms of having some guys have career years, some guys with inexplicable late career resurgences. We talked about this at the time we were doing our playoff preview last year, but uh, San Francisco, with some of the moves they made in the offseason, uh, I think uh, has a good enough team to make it back to the playoffs. I have, for the third consecutive year, the Dodgers and the Braves in the NLCS. Uh, this is the rubber match, and uh, I see it going the same way as last year. Even though I have the Dodgers with home field advantage, as uh, in my estimation this year, the only team in baseball with 100 wins, but I don't think that's going to be quite enough. Uh, because they will go down to the Braves, I believe, in six games in the NLCS. I'll turn it to you, Steve Callis. Oh, that's pretty interesting, because I have similar. I have, with the, without the Grom, I didn't know whether to pick the Mets or the Phillies as a wild card. I couldn't pick the Mets, even though I'll say, if you could trot out a healthy DeGrom and a healthy Scherzer, I was going over this with my son, like, who are the greatest one-two punches of all time? Are they as good as, Dry, as Koufax and Drysdale? I think maybe yes. Are they as good as Spawn and Sane? They'll pray for rain. I think maybe, yes. <laughs> and uh, it's just incredible to me that, again, if healthy, but but as you kind of alluded to, Rick, they now, they now have one guy who's on the shelf who will not throw for a month, which means he won't pitch for at least two, probably two and a half months, assuming everything's okay, which it wasn't okay. He stopped five times last year. Right. And he's already announced he's, he's opting out of his contract because he's only making, he didn't say this, Apparently he's not happy. He's only making thirty-three point five million. So, okay. So I know that's terrible. We've now, and, and I didn't talk about this before that we started. I should have. The whole notion now of the money when we were kids and Kovacs and Drysdale held out for one hundred twenty-five thousand apiece. It was like oh, yeah. the biggest thing in the history of the world, and you had people booing those guys because they were holding out for one hundred twenty-five. This year you have Max Scherzer making more money than two teams. Scherzer's making forty-three million. One is the Pirates. I forget who the other one is. I thought it was the Marlins, but I don't think it is. Maybe the Orioles. But there are two teams that like make less money than Max Scherzer. There's something wrong with that. And even though yeah. I still root for the players in the lockout, the the pendulum has kind of shifted a bit now. I understand they're billionaires and they're idiots, the owners. But my goodness, mm -hmm. the players to me too are also kind of going over the top. But in any event, I had picked the Braves earlier because when you look at what they did last year, I wrote them off last year when a Acuna got hurt. How are they going to win the World Series without him? Yet, what happened? And they also got Matt Olson, who I believe is four years younger than Freddie Freeman. Mm -hmm. And I'm not the biggest Kenley Jansen person in the world, but he's good to have on your staff. And it's a deep when hole time. When you look at their starters, I mean, Max Fried's the opening day starter. He's unbelievable. If Soroka can come back by the from his uh, second Achilles tear, and they're talking about maybe midseason, Charlie Morton is over his broken leg. How could they win the World Series after Charlie Morton broke his leg? They couldn't, but mm -hmm. they did. Right. So they're another one of these these teams that can just get it done. And they did lose Freeman, but I don't think that's going to be a big loss compared to Matt Olson, assuming he can adopt in a new league. And they lost Solaire, who was the MVP in the World Series. He had, you know, three well-timed home runs, I'll say, right. and deserved it. But I don't know that he's going to be a big miss in a day-to-day season. Correct. I just don't think he is. And so to me, again, I got a guy like Austin Riley hit 33 home runs. But if you get Acuna back and healthy, they're better than they were last year. If you can get Soroka to come back, 
they're better than they were last year. So I always also think the Mets are the Mets. For me, it was between the Mets and the Phillies, but the Phillies are almost like the Mets. I was, I was thinking of calling Joe Joe State back down in Philly because they kind of look at the Philly the way a lot of New York people look at the Mets. Oh, it's the Mets. Oh, it's the Phillies. So the Mets, after their first for their first game tonight, which wasn't rain delay, but I think they were going to play, they couldn't start DeGrom, easily the best pitcher in the majors the last few years, and they couldn't start Scherzer because he had tweaked the hamstring. <laughs> and now apparently he feels good enough to pitch tomorrow, maybe. And I think mm-hmm. if it's cold or wet or rainy, I wouldn't even start him tomorrow. And the season is just getting underway. So to me, there's trouble coming down the pike there. But I do have the Mets as a wild card because the Phillies, you know, they got Nick Castellanos and Schwarber. Unfortunately for Joe Girardi, one of them has to play the field because there's only one DH. Um, but, you know, they got a nice three, Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nolan, and Suarez. But I just think I've got the Mets beating them by a little and making a wild card. I think the Brewers are still the best team. I love Craig Council as the manager. Um, I do have the Cardinals uh, making the playoffs. But I think the Brewers, you know, they picked up Andrew McCutcheon and Hunter Renfro. I don't know how McCutcheon doesn't. He's not MVP McCutcheon, but he doesn't. And, you know, they lost Jackie Bradley Jr., who's a nice fielder who can't hit. And they got Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Corbin uh, Burns, who's, you know, the Cy Young Award winner from last year. So they're just solid up and down. And, oh, by the way, they've gotten nothing from Christian Yelich. Right. But he's back. Maybe he's healthy. I don't know. But, my goodness, you know, their, their lineup is Colton Wan, Willie Adamas, Yelich, and McCutcheon. I'm not sure about McCutcheon batting cleanup, but we'll have to see. And at the end of the day, they have the best reliever in all of baseball, to me, the unhittable Josh Hader, who had 102 strikeouts in 58 uh, innings. 102 strikeouts in 58 innings. I understand the strikeout. Ken, I understand the strikeout stats are totally inflated now because everybody's going up there swinging for the fences. But my goodness, 102, 102 in 58 innings in the major leagues, that's incredible. And finally, I couldn't go against the Dodgers. I don't like the Dodgers, but I have the Dodgers. But I do have the Padres making making the playoffs. You know, Tatis was in some kind of motorcycle accident, and they're not sure if that's when he broke his wrist. But they just found out, and he had surgery like, I don't know, months later. Yeah. And they don't know if it was that. Maybe, maybe they put a clause in his contract. No motorcycle riding? I mean, I know they used to have it with some guys. No basketball playing. But, um, you know, I like the Padres, and I'll tell you who I like. They got Luke Voigt. And Luke Voigt led the majors in home runs during the COVID short season and was very offended last year when they wanted to pull him for Rizzo on the Yankees. But the reality is, as you guys know, in Yankee Stadium, Rizzo is lefty, Voigt is righty. Yeah. And I think that's why. But I think Voigt is a big-time player and a big-time hitter. And they've got Musgrove, Darvish, and one of my favorite pitchers, Blake Snell. Uh, they got three guys who can really pitch if they're healthy. And, you know, they got guys in their lineup. They got Manny Machado. They'll eventually uh, eventually get Tatis back. And they got Luke Voigt now. Eric Hosmer has some power. Will Myers, you know, he's, I think, kind of been kind of a disappointment. But that's because he's not a, a superstar. So I got the Braves, Brewers, and Dodgers winning. I got the Mets, Cardinals, Padres as the, um, as the wild cards. And I have the... Uh, Braves beating the Dodgers. I'm, I'm so sick of hearing uh, the Dodgers or the manager saying, yeah, we're going to win the World Series. He's already said that. And, and, and you might believe that strongly, and they might, but you got to be an idiot to say it in spring training. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. So I think that's a mistake, and you never know how many guys are going to get hurt. All of this depends on health. It's almost like we have to do a disclaimer. <laughs> Everything <laughs> depends on health. you know. And, yes. and, the, and the Mets already are not healthy, but... Um, I did pick them over the Phillies as a wild card, and I do have the Braves to uh, beat the Dodgers to go to the World Series against Tampa Bay. Well, two things there before I turn to uh, Ken Detweiler, uh, two follow-ups. One is, in terms of Will Myers with the Padres, I think it's fair to say that injuries have beaten the L out of Will Myers the last couple of years, and uh, (laughs) to use that old line. And also... I, I, I agree with you about the Braves that I think they could and should be a better team than last year. But I will say, as somebody who is a Tennessee Vols fan, for whatever the bleed over is on the Venn diagram of folks living in Tennessee, probably southern Tennessee, closer to Chattanooga, who are also Braves fans, could be a little bit of a feeling of foreboding. Because you look at this Braves team this year, and you expect them to be better, and it could be a little bit of the 98-99 Vols. The 98 Vols won the national championship 
a year ahead of schedule, T. Martin coming in, taking over from Peyton Manning. That was a team that looked like it was a year early. And teams that are a year early, at least in college sports, never follow up. We'll see if the Braves can do it the next year, in a year when they should be better. Uh, because, again, if anybody has the makings of a team that can be the first one to repeat uh, since the turn of the century Yankees, it would be the Braves. We'll have to see if that holds up. And, uh, Kenny D., let's turn to you and get your uh, thoughts for the National League this year. Okay, I agree with a lot of stuff that you guys both have said, so I'm just going to just zip right through this. Um but I'm going to preface it with what Steve had said uh, about injuries, and we all agree on the injuries being the wild card or the right. asterisk or whatever we should put by it. But I'm going to – loving pitching, I think pitching is the cream that rises to the top in the division. The, team, the teams that usually have that is what I go with for the most part. So I'm following the, the starting pitchers. And that being said, I've got the Mets um, – in the NL East, and I've got the Braves finishing second behind them, and uh, and the Phillies are kind of like I'm going to be watching them also very closely because they they've loaded up. Um, and then in the, in the NL Central, I've got the Brew Crew uh, again uh, over to you know edging out or winning by just coming in second place would be the Cardinals in that division, and the rest of the slubs you can throw into a pot and just <laughs> shake them out. Um, in the NL West, I've got the Dodgers, and just like Steve, it hurts me to even say that. Uh, but the Padres have been on the IFCOM for so long now, or recently, not so long. But they bought a lot of good players. They've got a great team on paper. But again, we go back to Snell, who I'm a big fan of also, Steve. Uh, he's, he's coming back very, very slowly to bring him back. So who knows if that's going to something that's going to persist? Yeah, but I will say, Ken, I will say this today. I just saw this right before we were doing this today. Mm -hmm. Padres actually traded for Taylor Rogers, who is a really good closer. They had to give up um, Chris Paddock, but to get Taylor Rogers at the end, and he might be sharing it with Suarez, you know, righty lefty. They only had one lefty in the bullpen, and now Taylor Rogers is an excellent lefty. But you know, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I'm disappointed in Blake Snell, and I don't know that that one World Series game can mess you up mentally for years in the future. It's not like they did something to hurt his arm, like like letting the Mets' uh, Johan Santana throw 134 pitches to throw a no-hitter that wasn't because the guy doubled down the line and hit the foul line. But that's yeah. still the only Mets. You know, it, it wasn't like that, but I just wonder if mentally, because he did strike me, I don't know if fragile is the right word, but I just was concerned about him, and he was livid when all of that happened, of course, and rightfully rightfully so. I mean, you know, that could be Tampa Bay's downfall, and analytics killed Tampa Bay that year, obviously. Sorry, go ahead. I'm yes. No, that's fine. No, it's all good points. Um, it could be. There are some guys that are gamers, and some guys, you know, just can't. Um, can't handle that uh, adversity. So, um, let's see. So, I've got the Dodgers over the Padres in the West, uh, wild card teams. I've got the Braves going up against the Padres in the NLCS. I have the Mets playing the Dodgers, and here we go. Uh, guy who marches against the the drums. Um, I have the I have the Metropolitans from New York in the World Series against the Pale Hose from Chicago. Okay, you better give that health warning again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. And did I hear you correctly? Because I picked this guy on one of my fantasy teams. He was the MVP last year so uh, in the World Series. Solaire, oh, yeah. Solaire. Uh, oh, yeah. So he was? Yeah, true. <laughs> well, hope it carries over for you, Kenny. But uh, listen. It's going to have to with those picks. <laughs> well, look, I mean, that was my pick before DeGrom went down. And you know how much that hurts me, Ken, since I got him in my keeper league this year. And uh, it really... Uh, I bid a lot of money in the in the keeper league auction to get them, but uh, much as it's going to hurt me, it's yeah. going to hurt the Mets. So obviously, you think it's not going to stop them in the end here. But that was my World Series pick. Frankly, I was going to say uh, White Sox over Mets in the World Series. I ended up wow. I ended up pivoting on that to Bra wow. Braves and White Sox in the World Series, and my pick is Braves over White Sox in six. 
I think with Kenley Jansen being in Atlanta and the way that that kind of shifts uh, the remaining arms down a little bit here, depth, Atlanta has the ability to really shorten the game, which we've seen in, in most recent years here, how important that is, particularly because of how early you go to the bullpens in the games in October. So Atlanta over Chicago in six in the World Series is my pick. What say you, Ken Detweiler? Uh, what's your pick? Uh, I've got the uh, I've got the pale hose over the Mets. Okay. Uh, because I I've just picked them along. I actually I really love to have uh, the 1959 World Series, but I hate the Dodgers so much. I hate to see the Dodgers <laughs> go against the White Sox, and because uh, I loved Louis Aparicio and Nellie Fox and Sherm Lawler and the rest of those guys, but uh, there I digress. Well, the White Sox winning the World Series. You gotta love that for Jerry Reinsdorf. Said no one ever. But uh, we'll uh, we'll turn to you, uh, Steve. What's your uh, what's your pick for the World Series? Well, I guess you guys are both telling me I picked the White Sox last year. I guess you're both telling me I was a year early. But yeah, see what happens. <laughs> I certainly liked them last year. Um, and I thought you know Tony Larusa could play the role of Jack McKeon or something. You know, the older the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've actually got Tampa Bay winning it all over the Braves. Oh. I don't have any inside cool because of this, that, or the other thing. It's just I don't even know. I remember last year looking at the standings in the ALEs, and Tampa Bay was so far ahead of all these other teams, three of whom wound up winning 90 games, but it was never a race for the division. Right. This was never a race. They were six, eight games ahead the whole time, and they won, I think, yeah. by eight games because they won 100 games, and all these other guys won, not knocking them, they won 91, 92 games. That's what they won, so... I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how they've done it in the past. I, I might say they lost their best chance to win a World Series by taking Blake Snell out. That was certainly the turning point. No matter what analytics tells you, you know, you got to use the eye test sometimes, I think. And this guy was pitching the best game of his life. And just because the third time around the order came up, you had a guy afterwards who said, yeah, do it again, Kevin Garris. Who was the manager of the year, by the way, I think, that year. But whatever. Yeah. It is what it is. I think Tampa Bay just finds a way and you look at all the money the Red Sox spend and the Yankees spend, uh, and at the end of the day, it'll be like Tampa Bay will be five games up on them all year. Again, I don't know how, but I just think they're going to do it. I did want to say one thing because Ken was talking about pitching, and he's 100% right. I remember over like the winter, you know, not that long ago, they signed the Rangers, signed Seager from the Dodgers, Simeon, who I thought was the MVP. They were talking about Vlad Guerrero Jr., if you look at Simeon's numbers, he had 45 home runs. Every game I saw him, he was like hitting a home run to win the game. But they threw big, big money at him, and I'm like, wow, the Rangers. And then I looked at the Rangers today, they have no pitching. I mean, they have no pitching. Yeah. So I don't know why you're spending, like, whatever it is, $275, $300 million on these two guys who are great, and you have no pitching. So, too, with the Angels. So the Angels did sign Noah Syndergaard. If Noah Syndergaard could pitch, you know, he's pitched in two games in the last two years. But if he can pitch, but nobody, nobody on the Angels besides Shohei Otani, no starter threw more than 100 innings. Right. <laughs> so I don't care who they have. They have Mike Trout. They have Mike Trout. They have Rendon. They gave him 250 million, and they have Otani. And that's if they bat like two, three, four, or whatever they're going to bat. You can argue that's the best three in baseball. They have no pitching. They have Otani, and that's it. So I don't understand how. GMs who get paid a fortune, or maybe even owners with half a brain can look at that and say, okay, where's my pitching? Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. not for lack of spending money. They gave Rendon a quarter of a billion dollars. They gave Seeger and Simeon combined, you know, $300 million. So I don't understand, and that's why I've relegated them, and I think the Athletics just waved the white flag. Yeah. You know, they got rid of Olsen, they got rid of Chapman, they even got rid of Bassett, who is a nice pickup, by the way, for you, Ken, for the Mets. Um, yeah. To have him as the number three, I think the guy was an all star last year or the year before, behind, again, if they're healthy, behind the Grom and Scherzer. <laughs> you can argue the Grom Scherzer and Bassett is the best one, two, three, comma, if healthy. Every preview you do in any sport, at the end it has to be, comma, if healthy. Hockey, basketball, football, comma, if healthy. That is yeah. true. Yeah. That's definitely true. Very, Very good true. points. Yeah. And uh, again, Starting off as we did, this has been the format that we've used the last couple of years in doing this with our combination Don Coster tribute and uh, feeding into our season 
preview of uh, start out with uh, a, a tribute geared towards him, the spirit of the man, what he would have to say on some of the thoughts of the day, the colorful ways he would be ranting about the idiocies in the grand game, feeding into a discussion uh, worthy of the man, worthy of the tribute. And uh, for the fifth time, we have managed to do that. This is a discussion uh, that would definitely put a smile on Don's face. So, uh, Ken, I want to thank you a lot for that. Uh, and, and, again, I'm so happy to hear that this uh, really means something to Don's uh, wife. Uh, thank you for sharing that with her and keeping her abreast of, uh, of this and that we continue to do this. And uh, thank you for your part in this, uh, Ken, because I know how much it means to you. It does. It means a lot. And you guys make this so much fun. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to be curious. Who's going to, of the three of us, who's going to actually pick the uh, World Series champ uh, out of this mess? Because that's the fun of the game. You never know. Because it is a marathon. Well, we've all got three different favorites here. These are all teams that uh, I think are on a short list of the favorites for this year. And uh, each one of us uh, settled on to a different one. And uh, Steve Callis, as I said at the outset here, uh, Ken and I could think of nobody better to uh, join us here, uh, not just to do a season preview, which we'd done these even before they morphed into being a combination Don Coster tribute, but uh, again, to do something uh, in, in the spirit of the man, uh, you're the kind of person, and uh, as well as baseball authority, that uh, Don would be very pleased uh, to have on a tribute show if he knew we were going to be doing one of these, so thank you, Steve. Wow, it's always a pleasure to do it with you guys. It's always a pleasure to keep Don's memory alive. I think it's fantastic what you said about his uh, wife, Ken. Uh, and I also think it's important, but as uh, both of you said, it's also a blast to do it. And uh, I look forward to it every year. And you know I'm a baseball guy, no matter how they try to kill baseball. And my goodness, do these guys try to kill baseball. But no matter how they try to kill it, it's still the best sport by far. Well, and it's one of these it's things... Strong. You know, we, we oh. haven't had anybody with the FDH Lounge show, and I know Ken will attest to this, uh, the, nor anybody we did any shows with at the old Sports Talk Network, at least that I can think of, that was what you would call a wet blanket kind of a person. So if we were going to be celebrating anybody, there would be a certain amount of zest to it. But, I mean, Don in particular, of just the, the colorful way that he would go and, and rant on different oh. subjects here, it's a fun thing to do. I mean, it puts a smile on your face, and that's a thing where, again, that's, that's how... I want, as somebody who, again, and I, I didn't have the privilege of knowing him nearly as well as Ken did, but uh, I counted him as a friend. He was somebody that I loved working with and uh, who always just put a smile on my face uh, with the way that he would talk about things on air and off air. Uh, so just one of the most fun people that you could celebrate uh, ever because, uh, you know, to do a show uh, in his spirit is going to be something that's inherently uh, fun to do. So. I can't thank you guys both enough, and thank you everyone for joining us here today for FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1365.